BDSM and non-standard relationships. Star exchange and polyamory. Sacred sexuality and fetishes. As, as well, well as, as simply, simply fun, fun kink. kink. You'll find shows on these topics and more at eroticawakeningpodcast.com. This week on Erotic Awakening, Sir Guy and the state of the BDSM community. Welcome to Erotic Awakening, an exploration of all things erotic. Erotic Awakening is intended for mature audiences. If you are offended by adult topics or prohibited by law, we recommend you stop listening right now. Hi, Don. Hi, Dan. Today on the podcast, uh, we are going to be talking. We we had a great interview with Sir Guy mm-hmm. a few weeks ago, and we started with one thing, and it went all over the place. Uh, we ended up talking about violence in BDSM land, about race, about just all kinds of stuff. So, and and really interesting person to talk to as well. So we'll get to that in just a little bit. Great, I think. I think I like so the as interviews. well. I like the interviews on the end, but we 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 skipped a week, so <laughs> kind of Jones and just to talk. Well, hi. Hi, what do you want to talk about? Well, I actually just had a question of the day pop into my head. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I looked down and there wasn't one, so I thought one just popped into my head. Well, we have a question of the day as well, and then we're also doing a review on the brand new Polyamory app. I've got it on my phone here. I haven't actually used it yet. Ooh. but um, It's not on my phone yet. Do I get to come to your side of yes, the Yes, you'll have to come over here. So it's called the Poly Life. And uh, we'll be looking at that in just a moment, just in time for Beyond the Love, an app to help you keep track of all the people that you're meeting there. Nice, nice. I just joined a couple of um, poly Facebook pages. Mm -hmm. So I created this, uh, um, I have my vanilla Facebook, and then I created this new name so I could create a new Facebook. I'm glad they didn't know this or I would have got canceled. But, uh, (laughs) But anyway, I joined these new poly groups, and I'm on this one that's like national. Yeah. And um, somehow Beyond the Love came up, and I started chatting about it, and someone said, oh, I'm going. I hope to see you there. And I said, well, I'll be easy to spot. I'll have a clipboard. (laughs) And they're like, a clipboard? Let me look closer at your picture. And she looked closer at my picture. She's like, I was in your hotel room at the last BTL. I'm like, really? Because I'm sitting here thinking, who did Dan have in my (laughs) hotel room? And um, no, I had her in my hotel room. She's the one at the end of the event that had a question for me. But I had to pack up the room because it was time to check out. Right, right. So this is the person that was up there chatting with me about poly issues and... She's on that Facebook page, and they're coming again this year. Yeah, well, coming for again good. This year. Yeah, good. Glad so. to hear it. Uh, you can go to that event, too, beyondthelove.org. We still have a few tickets left. It's a month away. And it is the best polyamory gathering in the uh, free world. Yeah. Well, we're kind of biased to it. But well, I we are so. as well. Well, we are biased because we created what we wanted. Yes. So, you know, and we've got vendors coming in, and we've got... Um, you know, just all kinds of mini pop-up vendors and mm-hmm. hospitality suites and masquerade ball. And, and and it's a great opportunity to learn about other poly activity mm-hmm. going on, whether you're in the Midwest. You can find out about the Atlanta Polycon, which, uh, as we'll have one of their event producers at the event, mm-hmm. just all kinds of neat stuff going on there. Head over to beyondthelove.org to check it out. I think it's going to be great. It's so only in a few weeks. Before we do this, the review on this Poly app, what is that question of the day that just popped in your mind? Let's Ooh, knock that out. Question of the day. Well, it popped into my mind, but it's also a question someone has asked me recently. Okay. So um, I've already answered them, and we're going to go out and do lunch and talk about it a little bit more. 
But the question is, is it legitimate? And that's kind of a weird word, but is it legitimate to try to turn a relationship into poly when the intent of it at the beginning was monogamous? Interesting question. Is there a power exchange element to it? There is actually so, and it's, it's kind of new. So they've been together for a while and even the power exchange part of it is new, a, a little bit older. Okay. No, it's been around more than, than this issue. Um, do I care about the power exchange element? So is it legitimate? It's a pretty tricky word. If you and I started a relationship, people change as time goes by. As a matter of fact, I read a statistic somewhere that said every four years, people change significantly. I don't know if that's true or not. But we have certainly changed in the 14 years that we've been together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I used to not like dogs. Now I like dogs. <laughs> Ginger. Um, I used to be into LARPing. I'm not so much into LARPing anymore. I used to um, be more intense about some things. Blah, 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 right? People change right. as time goes by. And... This might be a legitimate change for somebody. If as you've gone along, you've been with somebody for a while and you realize you're attracted to someone else, do you would you prefer your to tell your part I mean, what are your options here, right? Do you one, don't say anything about it and suppress the feeling. Two, cheat. Three, tell your partner. Right? So legitimate's a tricky word, right? I mean, I don't know that it's legitimate or not. I can see where the partner might feel cheated or might feel it's not fair. But in my mind, the reality is if I'm simply being honest about and expressing myself, the reality is I always think of at the end of the day when I'm, oh, who knows, 74 years old, sitting on a rocking chair somewhere, right? Looking back at my life, I don't want to look back and say, here's what I didn't do that I wanted to. I would much rather look back and say, here's the things I regretted doing versus mm-hmm. here's the things I regret never trying. So, you know, I'm, I don't know that it is legit or not legit. I don't think it's a legitimate question in, to start with. <laughs> I think change the question to my partner wants to explore relationships with other people. Do I want them to have a conversation with me about that or do I want them to not feel that way? And you can't control how they feel, right? right? If that's a legitimate feeling, if it's what, and we're not, now we're not necessarily just talking about playing with other people, right. I assume, right? Right, we're not talking about playing, we're I talking about I understand playing with somebody is a little, I'm a little more flexible about, well, let's, but you know, if you've, if that's how you want to express yourself, I personally, I think that one of the reasons you and I get along, one of the reasons you and I have been together for 14 years is that we support each other. Whether it's polyamory or my desire to be a monk and go, or, you know, when or I want to go. becoming a clergy. Or you becoming a clergy, anything. That's my thought, you know. Mm-hmm. I want my partner to express who they are. And if who they are is polyamorous, I want them to help me get through that. They have to be my partner still because I may have some legitimate struggles with that. And I might stay monogamous even though my partner decides to be polyamorous. And we've certainly seen that happen. Mm-hmm. That's my thought. Very long-winded answer. Well, I agree. So, though, um, I know this person's been given some advice of um, um, you started out monogamous. That was the agreement. You have Mm -hmm. to stick with that. And and other people that they're talking to, their relationship dynamics were created to be poly to begin with. That's mostly what she's finding because she's in the in the kink community as well. Ours. You know, I don't know that I can advise her because our relationship started out as poly. 
you know, and right. even though we had our difficulties, you know, and who's to say at some point in the future that we may decide to go monogamous? Sure. Don't really foresee that, but it could happen, you know, for whatever reason. And um, that doesn't mean our relationship's off. That doesn't mean our agreements are off. It means we redefine our agreements and, and how we're going to do it. So, you know, my, my advice would be, yeah, it, it, people change. Mm -hmm. Have the conversation, like you said. Because if I had to suppress my feelings for somebody else, we know how that turned out. You know, I cheated. Right. You cheated. Right. And, and the song that just went through my head while you were saying suppress it was from the Book of Mormon with the light switch. <laughs> Turn it off. Right. <laughs> light switch. So, yeah. So have the open conversation. Um, realize that there can be one person that's all gung-ho for it. Woohoo! I get new relationships with right. new people. Right. And the other person kind of dragging their heels a little bit like, okay, I can see the euphoria. I can see the utopia. I can see all of that. But I've got that twinge and I've got that fear and what if, mm -hmm. what if, what if. Mm -hmm. So, and we've had that. So, you know, both of you, you and I have been on both sides of the, of, of those sort of right. feelings. So, you know, but life's an adventure. So that's my thought. I concur. And I concur with you. Um, and, and, you know, the funny thing is, we, well, what, is it a power exchange relationship? Well, I don't really think that that matters because you can, if you are the lead in the power exchange relationship and you're the one that wants polyamory, you can say, we're going to be polyamorous. That's mm -hmm. the way it is. Would have been easier for me at some points, but. And if you're the leader and you want monogamy, you can say, we're going to be monogamous and that's the way it is. Mm -hmm. The other person in the relationship still gets to choose whether right. they're going to pay the price of sticking around. Mm -hmm. Just because we use our labels of dom, sub, master, slave, whatever label you use, doesn't prevent me from having a legitimate feeling, right? And if I was a slave in a relationship and somebody said, and I felt a great desire to be polyamorous or monogamous, and the capital letter type in that relationship said, no, no, we're, we're this way from now on. Mm -hmm. I accept the price of that or I don't. Right. Well, one of the things to, to remember, though, with the power exchange relationship, and um, I could be wrong on this, and I get called out on this um, every great now and then when I say that with uh, power exchange relationships, I, I kind of see them as, as deeper mm -hmm. because we have to get to a vulnerable spot to be able to surrender like we do. So I think that's why I, I say they're deeper than, than some other relationships. And like I said, I've been caught out on that before. So don't, you know, don't, don't get your panties in a wad. But, um, so for, if a master is the one that says, I think I'm polyamorous now, and, and you guys are talking about it. If a slave has some doubt that they are, man, they're still in that mode of, I want to please him though. Yeah. So they've really got to look at who they are and what they want and look at the pleasing part because it's absolutely valid. You know, me wanting to please you is an absolutely valid feeling. Is it how I want to go into poly? No, not for me. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so we actually stepped back from our power exchange for a little while while we went through some hurdles. And, you know, there's days that I think, God, that was such a bad idea. I just wish we'd had that structure, had that structure. Maybe I would have, you know, not, not been so, uh, Hmm, the words that came to mind, um, jumping hurdles. We'll just, mm -hmm. we'll just leave it okay. at that. And, um, but then other days I'm like, well, maybe we did the right thing. Cause look at where we are. Good point. So, so I don't know, but it's all feelings are just feelings and they're valid. So just talk to each other. If you've uh, been listening to the podcast for the first time and you're just joining for the polyamory conversation, not sure what this power exchange stuff is. Just think <laughs> 50 shades of gray without the non-consensual oh. terminal 
mental illness that's involved. It's <laughs> the good parts that are left. So since we're talking about polyamory, come on over here. Let's look at the brand Ooh, new okay. app. I'm coming over. Um, the Poly Life. This would have been cute on the YouTube version. Absolutely. If I knew how to do this on YouTube, I would do it. So here we are. I just launched the Join the Poly Life. It wants to send me notifications. I think I will allow that. I don't know what that means. And so here's interesting. I can sign up with my Facebook account, which I don't huh. know that that's, that's really interesting. You don't have to sign up with Facebook, but I'm going to sign up can with you my tell Facebook. Which of your Facebooks it is? I've only got one Facebook, honey. Okay. As uh -huh. far as the world's concerned. Mm -hmm. It also allows you to sign up with email. So I can see right off the bat, signing up with uh, Facebook might be challenging for a lot of people because a lot of people are not visibly poly on Facebook. I bet there's a way that even if you sign up with Facebook, that that's just an authorization and you could go there and turn off anything that gets pushed well, to Facebook. But let's that's find kind of out. chancy if you don't want people to mm -hmm. know. So right off the bat, we have a pretty nice interface. Change mm -hmm. the wallpaper, notifications, oh, main menu. Oh, That's cute. We go right into this little main menu. Bunch of icons. I we bet have... that's chat. Sure. Here's my chat. And there's Here's calendars. a calendar. And here's Ooh, a people-y thing. People holding hands. Oh, look at that. Hold, Hold on, on to partner photo until it shakes and then drag it to a category above. Huh. Add and delete partners. All right. Let's try that. Let's add a partner. And I can add them via, oh, okay, so oh, here email. I can reach out to other okay. people to join. I can have my prime, so so here's, Okay. people are going to have some interesting responses to this. I have four boxes for primaries, four boxes for secondaries, four boxes for family, and then partner, and then boxes for partners as well. Well, we don't know that it stays four boxes. That's just what fits on the page. So you might be able to do more than four, but I bet people are going to have issues with the language. Primary, secondary, family, mm -hmm. and partners. So I'm going to type in uh, Karen's email. Uh, I think that's it. And we'll hit hi. And we'll invite her. And now she's a pending request, whatever that means. Invitation email was sent. So you can ask people to join your little poly family. That's that that section is. Ah, here's an added to-do item. Oh, I don't have any to-dos. I wonder if I can... Add oh. birthdays for my little partners. Create Great. poly fun events to share in the poly life community. So, ooh, that's pretty good. Oh, so valuable. we can do, there's a poly meet and greet in Washington. There's a poly something in D.C. I bet we could put Beyond the Love in there. We could. So you can Beyond add the these love. different love uh -huh. events. Except and you tell the date. Oh, there we go. November nice. 7th. Mm-hmm. And you can identify and put notes and all this stuff. So that's kind of useful. That's kind of useful because that now, would get around countrywide. Now, one of the things that you had mentioned is mm -hmm. that it's currently a Apple or a right. iOS, as they say, product only. Right. So it's only going to get around the country to people that have an iOS. So which is, like you said, the Apple product. So iPhones. Um, that wouldn't work for us. So you and I have an iPhone. Mm -hmm. You, I, and Karen have an iPhone. Um, Big D and his wife have Android. Bat has Android. Um, there's a couple of others involved, and I don't know what they have. I think M has an Android. Uh, I don't know. I could think of some other people, but I don't know. What's it erroring out on? Oh, I'm just adding some uh, information here, and it wants me to enter. I'm trying to add an event, 
and it's trying it wants the address and country and all this kind of stuff so there we go new events been added sweet available in 28 days so it's nice i've got to see some events that are happening around the nation with the mm-hmm. and you can x out of them there's an x next to them too so i guess if you're not interested you could hit the x and wipe them off so here oh, we have a section here to keep rules and boundaries in here. So currently I have no agreements. I can add an agreement. No. Oh, let's say safer sex. It doesn't give you a you didn't menu. You say no safer sex. No, you I did not. Safer sex. <laughs> oh, so interesting. So it's brought up my little Facebook icon, and right? I can go into my agreements and edit them and add partners and stuff. So it looks like there's a way to kind of keep a list of agreements. So would here. I like be able to see your agreement with someone else if you put it on there? I don't know. It's hmm. kind of neat and kind of weird at the same time. I mean, I could see where it would be useful. It'd be kind of weird for me to see like Big D's and his wife's agreements for some reason. Yeah, so there's a little button here that says add partner, which we're not really sure what that does, but I, I'm not... So it looks like I have, I, oh, look at that. I can agree. Oh, I get it. So oh. here we're building these different agreements, right? And mm-hmm. I can have my different partners all lined up here. Oh, oh. here's my good partners that all agree to safer sex. Here's all my partners that agree to um, whatever boundary. I want. What other boundaries do we have? How dare I? Uh, <laughs> Communication. Yes. I've, so that's <laughs> interesting. The girl report and the boy report. Yeah. So you can build little agreements like that. Um, here's a nice little map thing. And Poly Life wants to access my maps. And I guess this is going to allow For me... coffee shops, grub, bars, and sex shops. Woohoo! Look <laughs> at that! You've got little pins on your map for coffee shops, grub, Bars and sex shops. Well, that's... And it is actually legitimately... It is. Oh, oh, they do. Bits, yeah, they yeah. do. And oh, they stuff. do. Yeah. Okay, it actually knows where the little sex stop, shops in my little showing, town are. It's um, not the LD, which I just got oh, a, yeah. a um, <laughs> shopper's card to a sex store. <laughs> so here we have some reference. I had a ref... Oh, different references to Poly Life on Facebook. It's semi-interesting Oh, there. was that references or resources? And... Uh, Resources, I guess. Uh, and we can add some pictures and stuff. Yeah. Well, nope, it says references. Neat. Okay. And then we have our settings. We can log out and keep notifications Take a picture, on. Use camera roll. So it looks kind of neat as a database. I mean, because that's pretty much what it is, right? Just mm-hmm. a database. And I can build little chats oh, that's to true. my different partners. So it looks like. If I had a bunch of partners and they all had this app and I can kind of connect us together and we can share some agreements, there's a calendar aspect too and we can add a calendar of events. But we use Google right now, which is across the board. I mean, mm-hmm. no matter what operating system you use. Huh. So in our 10-second review of this thing, what do you think? Well, I think it was more like four minutes. but Okay. Um, three, know, and it's three ninety nine on the, the – that's the investment you're making, three ninety nine on the – Per person. The, per person. Interest, yes, so that's an interesting aspect. So for our little Just You, Me, Karen, that's three six nine, uh, well, And then, of course – three ninety nine a person, sorry, that's 12. 12. And um, then Big D. Doesn't have iOS, but let's assume right. they did. 
or that this was available for Android. Which and, my understanding is it will be coming out for Android. They, they're doing iOS first, and they'll roll it out for Android. Okay, all right. So you know what? I would actually be paying more attention to it, I think, if I knew it was coming out for Android because um, part of me is like, well, we got Google. But you know what? Not all of us share Google. You know, I don't share Big D's and Michelle's Google. But because everything's on it, just like with our scheduled calendar and maybe calendar, you know, we've got a, hey, I don't look good there. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't want everybody to see everything on our calendar, you know, probably same way with you and Karen and stuff like that. Sure. But on this, as in like dinner with the kids and blah, blah, blah. But on this, you can set up the calendar to be whatever you want it to be and all of you get to see it. But then you got to decide... Who counts as a poly partner, so who gets to see it? And you've only got four blocks, and are you going to remove here and add there? Who gets it? Boy, that's a lot of decisions mm -hmm. to make. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I can see where people would like it. It's organized. It's easy to use. The icons are big. You can tell what everything icons are, is. Yeah. There's not a lot of drop-down menus or fairly anything. In, fairly it's intuitive. Icons. Fairly yeah. intuitive. Yep. So what's his heart? Oh, that's your... Uh, relationships. Relationships. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So... Oh, look at that. Sexually bonded. Oh, there fluid is bonded. more. Did you, how'd you do that? You got there. Emotionally bonded and partner. So there's different kinds of relationships. Interesting. So... See, that would be neat to know. I'm curious about this. But we should know each other well enough to know who's fluid bonded with who. <laughs> so there's where these are your partners here and then you, oh, this is that's your, the emotional part yeah, sexually bonded know, fluid bonded you know. not so. sure about this whole to-do list thingy um that's built into the app well maybe that is the to-do list would be like if two of you are going on a trip you could put the to-do list in there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so or three of you or all of you and who's got what to do mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all so. right so that's a challenge for Google because Google carries a lot of that. It's just not poly-focused. Know what I mean? You've got so your... Time to cut uh, fish or cut bait. Are you recommending this app? Not enough info yet or what? I think it's cute. And I'm going to say not enough info yet, though. Yes. I am going to say there's nothing here that I actually need that it's providing me. The, I mean... It's a good database, but do you need the database? And then we're going to have the arguments about primary, secondary partners, family. Right. One person sees it one way, another person sees it another way. The um, And whoa, if somebody changes a status on there without talking about it first. Yeah. <laughs> that'd be worse than that life. The uh, <laughs> event aspect of it mm -hmm. could be really valuable if... Everybody, all the poly people used it. Of course, they don't. And, and that's the big problem with any with polyamory in general, in that there, if you were looking for an event, there's 150 places to go look for it. Um, again, I'm going to go back. To, I'm not seeing where it fills a need that I have. I can keep track of my partners without a database. Right. I'm not that. I mean, even in if everybody on my girl report, which most of them are not actually... Let's say I had six partners. Mm -hmm. If I've got so many partners that I can't keep track of who I'm fluid bonded with right. without a database, that might be right. problematic. Uh, Calendar-wise, yeah, like you said, Google Calendar already takes care of everything for us mm -hmm. and it allows a lot of flexibility. To-do notes, eh, that's kind of, I can see that might be valuable. I get around that with Google Docs. Again, mm -hmm. you can share with multiple people. Right. Um, 
and that's all free. I'm still stuck on the $3.99 a person. So me, you, Karen, Bat, Big D, his wife, the other person Karen's dating, and then do you put the, the, the one, two, or three that are interested in you on there? And what about the one in Canada that I'm flirting with? Right. Well, right. there's 11 right there times four. Yeah. So it's just a big investment, it feels like. I mean, I, kn I know four bucks for an app is nothing. Mm -hmm. Multiplied times poly. Right. <laughs> so anyway, cute, cute. I'll keep an eye on it. It's, you know, it's, it's a well-designed, I'm going to have to say it's a well-designed app. Oh, absolutely. It seemed fairly intuitive once uh -huh. I start clicking at it. I mean, in this four minutes of reviewing it, we figured it out, but I'm underwhelmed. Yeah. I'm not, and, and I will say the people that at Poly Life have been very communicative. Oh, and absolutely. Um, nice and responsive and all that jazz. I'm going to have to play with it some more. Maybe some more people are, are using it. Mm -hmm. So far, I'm, I'm going to give it a, I'm not sure yet. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to cut bait and fish. <laughs> You're going to cut bait and fish. Well, I'm kind of in the same, in the same way. So, um, Maybe we'll let other people look at it and see what they think. So, because it could very well be the answer for some people's communications and database stuff. Right. So, excellent. If you have a view of the Poly Life app that you'd like to tell us about or any other way that you manage your relationships, feel free to reach out to us at Dan and Don at eroticawakening.com. Or fill out the dot comment form on the webpage at eroticawakening.com. Or you can use our underutilized voicemail, 614-414-2072. Yeah, I'd like to have something other than a marketing firm call us. It'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh my gosh. So we do have some new subscribers to the newsletter, which I it is on my list of things to do for, oh my goodness, this is after the first week of October. Mm -hmm. So I will try to get that out soon. So some new subscribers to the newsletter. And, and it's just, it's a once a month newsletter that just lets you know what Dan and Dawn's doing or what our projects are or things about the books or, you know, just a bunch of different stuff. Um, Pictures of Ginger, the, Ginger, uh, the podcasting the pup. So um, new to the subscriber list is Maddie from Maryland. And Des and Hope from New Jersey. New Jersey. Well, that's kind of neat because I'm from Maryland and you're from New Jersey. <laughs> well, there you go. Maybe we know them. Maybe we do. Here's some really interesting stuff. We have uh, has been going on for a while about the Erotic Awakening Podcast Network. Mm -hmm. And Mistress Simone, who's been on the podcast a couple times. Mm -hmm. uh, so she's been a guest of ours a couple times. But now she, now she has her own podcast. The Femdom Mystique is the brand new podcast on the Erotic Awakening Podcast Network. Find the world view from a femdom's perspective. Ooh, and I like her voice. I do as well. <laughs> and it's certainly, it's a voice we don't have on the podcast network currently is the femdom viewpoint right, of the world. Right, So you can find that and the, all the other podcasts that are part of the Erotic Awakening Podcast Network at eroticawakeningpodcast.com. Nice, nice. So, ooh, we got a lot of random things to throw in here before we um, do the interview. So we have DJ Gray described to the YouTube channel, <laughs> which we have two pieces on. We really want to get something else on there soon. We just got to squeeze it in before BTL. And Mary on Google Plus join. You know that YouTube channel... Um... It's really funny. I built the channel. I like the fact we have a YouTube channel. We know how to put mm -hmm. things on it. But finding content that actually 
should go on there. And, right. and I'm thinking we just start recording some of the podcast and yeah. publishing on YouTube. And sometimes it's just you and I looking at each other and talking, and that's what a podcast is. <laughs> right. Yeah, really, that's all there is to it. That's really what this well, thing is. Well, that would be kind of neat, too. We've done recordings of our workshops before. Mm -hmm. That would be kind of neat. So, actually, on, I think they're still on Kink Academy. Oh, yeah. Kink Academy and uh, Passion U. You can find a couple of our uh -huh. different presentations out there. Yep, yep. So, uh, on our last episode, we didn't do our smitten kitten bump. We did not. And uh, actually, their little contract with us uh, uh, expired. They've been a sponsor to the podcast for well over a year now. Mm -hmm. And we reached out to them and said, hey, you know, I want to, is this actually doing anything for you? And are our, are our listeners getting any benefit out of this? Right. And what they told us is that EA listeners have saved over $700 by shopping at Smitten Kitten Online with the discount code Dan and Dawn. Nice. So starting next that week. That was all one person? No, I'm no. kidding. <laughs> Bat. <laughs> Bat's, um northern sea was going to come down so she did a little shopping i think but. oh yeah you know what her northern sea is also on android so <laughs> well there you go there's one less person um so the smitten kid will be back next week we hope as the official sponsor of erotic awakening but for now but for now but for now, now what? You're pointing at me. <laughs> Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by Adventures in Sexuality, Central Ohio's kinky fun group. Find out more at adventuresinsexuality.org. What is the, What are they up to right now, anyway? They've got a party on Saturday. This Saturday coming uh -huh. up? Uh-huh. You have to work. Dang it. Big D's in town. <laughs> are you guys going to the party? No. Aww. I don't think so. I think we're going to Bats game night, maybe. Nice. Is that When is that? Same night. Oh. So uh, play some games at the room and then head over to the party. Or the party's pretty sold out. So, <laughs> so you're going to be stuck playing Carcassonne. Okay. <laughs> uh, so other than that, we're getting ready to do our interview with Sir Guy. Really interesting interview. We went all over the place. Uh, we would like you to head over to iTunes and, and rate us, tweet about us, like us on Facebook, or tell your crappy friends. Hey, no, they're not. Tell your good friends, then. Tell your good friends. Okay. We want the good friends to be listening. <laughs> so we really, we started this conversation with Sir Guy, and it's really interesting looking at uh, all the stuff that we could have talked to him about. We could have mm -hmm. been all over the place, but we ended up we ended up starting one place, and we wandered and rambled all over the place. It was it a great happens. conversation. It was like sitting around with a friend and just hearing their viewpoints on mm -hmm. some stuff, and um, I really enjoyed that conversation. It was good. So, Dawn, as you know, it is currently the beginning of my favorite time of year. Uh, what time of year is that? Football season. <laughs> True. Unfortunately, a lot of, instead of football news, I'm hearing news about players and domestic violence and all that kind of jazz. And it seems to be that that's, um, you know, we talk about that sometimes in the BDSM community as well. What's the difference between a abusive relationship and a good old masochistic pounding so fortunately tonight we have sir guy on the podcast tonight and we're going to explore that topic a little bit Sir guy thanks for joining the podcast thank you for having me so you'd mentioned before we got the recording started how this kind of stuff seems to cause a lot of discussions in the community around issues of consent and issues of violence and the difference between violence Good, um, you know, I, can you even, so let me start with this. Can you say there's good violence and bad violence? 
I guess um, if you get down to it, you can, if you want to put a judgment on it. But there are definitely, uh, there is definitely a difference between um, the violence that happens unconsensually, the violence that happens uh, in its abuse, and you know, the violence that happens, to say, in football or in MMA. Um, you know, it, there's controlled violence, there's consensual violence, and then there's violence for violence sake. Do you think any of this, you know, when we see stuff like domestic violence and even, I'll take it a step further, um, Ill the slave trade of real, you know, not the fun BDSME slaves, but the real um, non-consensual kidnap, yeah. right. When that kind of stuff rears its head, how do we in the BDSM community avoid that kind of, the backlash from being in the spotlight? I, I think it. I think it depends on the cultural background of people. For example, um, African Americans have a tendency to think of things a little differently as far as even the term "master slave" is concerned. Because of our history in this country with chattel slavery, there are still a lot of African Americans who, even though they may be in a BDSM lifestyle, do not embrace those terms because it has a lot of baggage. And you know, even though slavery ended. You know, a couple hundred years ago, well, actually, not even a couple hundred years ago, the residual effects of those things still exist. So some people still have an aversion even just to that. The other thing is that um, when it comes down to the way that African Americans were kept in line during chattel slavery with the whips and um, um, not having control of their own bodies and things like that, there are people who psychologically can't wrap their heads around it. Um, the flip side of that is that other people who may not have that cultural experience may not understand how it can affect a person's perception of BDSM or how it can uh, affect a person's perception of uh, power exchange relationships. This is also the same with uh, a lot of women, especially women who are feminists. There are women who identify as feminists who are part of the BDSM community and to people outside, it seems to be like an oxymoron. It seems to be a, a contradictory thing. How can you um, say that you are for the empowerment of women, yet um, you, you, you agree to submit to someone else to uh, allow yourself to be uh, subjected to um, physical pain by someone else? And so um, because of those things and the fact that we come up in a culture in a society that tells us that all those things and everything sexual is wrong, it can create a bit of a dichotomy within each individual, even if you're practicing BDSM. So does that imply that maybe we should practice a little bit of political correctness? If memory serves, uh, I seem to recall that you are an African-American person. Yes, most of the time. So there, <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> so... Should we be more conscious of the past and the history and maybe start getting rid of terms like master and slave? Because even, even as a Caucasian, I mean, Dan and I had a problem with embracing those terms as well. I mean, we started as dom-sub for a long time because master and slave just seemed odd. But Yeah, I think they call somehow, that white guilt. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. That's what people call it. I mean, but it's the same thing. A lot of a lot of people who have a Jewish background have that same issue. Um, you know, uh, 
there's also Catholic guilt that goes on to anything that has to do with eroticism and sexuality. So I, I think that we can do ourselves a disservice if we try to dance around things and put restrictions on things because BDSM is supposed to be about freedom. But the, other, the flip side of that is that we have to be sensitive to people and we have to treat people as individuals because, um, for example, whereas one black person may be really, really into race play and objectification, another person may find it abhorrent and, you know, and even maddening. So you have to deal with people as individuals and uh, um, that takes time. And too often, especially when people new in the community, they don't take the time to um, find out the person that they're dealing with, uh, the person as an individual. We like to use the labels as a shortcut, and sometimes that uh, works to our detriment. But, but that brings up an interesting point, though. I'm not going to get to know the people that are in my local dungeon when it's time to play that night, right? I mean, I might meet some people, but if it's a dungeon with 50 people in it, I'm not there to, to meet each person and all that kind of jazz. So, and this cycles all the way back to where we began. Is there types of play that because of the connectivity that it has to uh, either domestic violence or social issues that should be avoided? Specifically, sometimes Don and I like to do a little bit of punching and kicking, with slapping me, and <laughs> with me, the male punching and kicking and face slapping a female, face slapping, of course, uh, where Ray Rice started his bad trip into not being an NFL player anymore. Um, should I be more cognizant of the people in the dungeon and and save that kind of stuff for home? Do you feel well, that there's types of play that we should not engage in in public? You know. It's a lot of thought I, I given, but it's kind of hard to make a really determination about it. And I'll give you an example. I was at a Halloween play party once, and there was a person that was pretty well known in the scene as being an edge player. Okay. And he happened to be of Jewish heritage, and he, he was wearing a uniform that was actually East German Border Patrol uniform, but it looked strikingly like World War II German Army Nazi uniform. And he wore it with a swatch sticker in his boots. And he wasn't even playing. He was just sitting and talking to the person that was um, that was in his um, household. Right. And there were people who were immediately angered just by the sight of the uniform. And it got to a point where uh, first he took off the swatch sticker, then he ended up taking off the jacket, and then he ended up leaving the event. I, I think the problem is, though, that um, there's no way possible you can engage in something that's not going to offend someone. And if we start to pick and choose what's more offensive for us, then we'll end up you know, not having the freedoms that we enjoy or that we claim that we want. For example, um, there are people who don't like um, age play. Um, they may have had a background with uh, incest or uh, something of that nature. So now, am I supposed to say, I can't be around people who play, who, you know, I can't have, allow them to play in my presence? Or do you remove yourself in a situation that makes you feel uncomfortable? The situation that you spoke about, where they're slapping and punching and things like that. Some people, that's a turn on, and other people, that is uh, a trigger. So are you going to not play because somebody might be triggered by it? And that's, that's the, the, the issue that we're facing here, you know. If you go to a dungeon and you play publicly, 
you have to expect it's going to be different types of play. You know, needle play, blood play, uh, uh, incest play, um, these type play. of things. So, I mean, are you going to now restrict people to saying, well, you can only do these things in the privacy of your home? I, I think I think we you know if you do that then you, you're getting on a slippery slope and, and, and then you start to police people and I don't think that's what this lifestyle is about. And that makes sense to me. I would, and it's funny the the scene. I mean, Don and I have been running around the scene for a little while now, and one of the things I found most challenging to be around was a role play scene where the one person was acting as if they were mentally handicapped and the other person was taking advantage of that. So, yeah, you know, so they, it's they're, definitely they're, not politically correct. <laughs> no, absolutely not. And, and there's got to, is there no spot where you say, wait a minute, good taste requires we just don't do that? Or should we be the BDSM anarchist that anything goes? Well, you know, I was thinking about this. I actually wrote something about it the other day in response to some conversation. And what happens is, we, yes, we all we come out of society at large, and we bring with us all of the values and the baggage that comes with that. But yet we say we come into this lifestyle because we expect and we want and we desire a certain amount of freedom. So just like, let's say, uh, the British have certain customs and characteristics that have made it to people from Britain that people from America may not understand. Okay? It's the same thing, you know, so you wouldn't expect, we wouldn't want to be judged by the way Brits do things because they do things differently because culturally, even though they're similar, there are differences. We can't expect that if we have what is called an alternative lifestyle, that we should now want to judge ourselves by the other lifestyle that we're coming out of. And we, we have established for ourselves too often um, the standards of, for lack of a better word, vanilla lifestyle. When in actuality, those standards are different than the ones that we employ within our relationships. So then by saying, you know, I want to be, you know, I want to judge myself by those standards, then we're, we're again doing ourselves a disservice because those things, those rules don't apply to what we do, which is why we have an alternative lifestyle. So it's kind of interesting to me how, um, I don't know about BDSM in general, but at least leather in general started out as really heavy SM, you know, guttural primal sort of play. And then we kind of moved into hetero where it kind of, we do have these questions of how far is too far. And then it's, then we're going to have what 50 shades of gray people coming in and, you know, and I'm wondering just how much we're going to start limiting ourselves in case these people try to take it home. We're afraid of doing stuff in front of them in case they take it home and don't know how to do it consensually. But you know, this, I mean, we talk a lot about 50 shades of gray, but it's not the first true or erotic book that came out like this. In fact, Laura Antonou, who wrote the Marketplace series, is a part of the BDSM community, but she'll even say her book is fantasy. It's not reality. So if you try to live your life 
by that book is just like a person who was not in this lifestyle trying to fashion their romantic life after a Harlequin romances. So, I mean, we do still have a responsibility as adults to act as adults. And too often, I think, what happens is we come into this lifestyle and all of the mechanisms that we had, the learning that we've had, the, the experiences that we've had in life, um, we come into this lifestyle and we forget all of those things, all the warning signs, all the things that got us to this point. And you know, this is an adult activity. And uh, we have to be aware of that. And yes, sure, there's going to be people who are new to the scene. Um, some of them are young and some of them are older. And, you know, they may um, get the Disneyland syndrome where they get in and they want to ride all the rides the same day. Right. Or the, or the slave crave, you know, which can right. be kind of dangerous as well because they're not watching out for themselves. They just want that person that can take them to that place. Right, so it, it's, it's, a, it's a question of being able to balance, um, you know, mentoring people, trying to provide people with education, and having personal responsibility. You know, because I've been in situations where I've seen people engaging in behavior that I think might be a little risky, and I'll approach them, and I'll speak to them as an adult, but they'll make the decisions that they make anyway, and then later on with repercussions for it. You know, it's nothing I can do about it because they've made their decision. You know, and, and that's, you know, and, and too often um, we like to blame other people for decisions that we make, bad decisions that we make. And so we really still have to be conscientious. We still have to be adult about things. We still have to pay attention, even though, um, you know, it's bright and shiny and new and you want to be able to jump right in and do all these things because it's exciting. So let me ask you this. You you teach a class on uniform play, mm -hmm. and um, do you ever dress uniform-wise with the eye towards, oh, this is going to look good, I like the way this looks, but also perhaps with a, well, this is going to shock some people? Not so much in the shocking of people, but I do, um, one of the reasons why I like uniform play is because it establishes certain level of authority immediately. So I do highway patrol uniforms, which are truly the black boots, sometimes the helmet and the mirror shades. I do military uniforms for interrogations and things like that. And um, I, I try to make them as authentic as possible without, without you know, actually criminally impersonating anyone. But um, I, I get the idea across. But I, I don't... Me, personally, I don't do it for the shock value, but I, just, I do do it for the visual effect as part of the overall effect because I believe in um, dealing with the mental aspect of things. And for a person, it could have that type of value for them. It could have that type of um, overwhelming um, psychological effect. But that's part of what, what this is about. That's one of those questions out of left field I warned you about. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, no problem. I so, cover a lot of that. <laughs> so there is, there is a lot of military and law enforcement workshops. This is nice. <laughs> so, Sir Guy, congratulations. I've just made you the king of BDSM, and you're in charge of everything now. Why? Is there any... Oh. <laughs> is there any common and I, I don't not necessarily common but accepted bdsm practices that you're outlawing as our new king that you're saying that is just 
you know, I get it that you think it's kinky and it's hot, but in the reality, it's not good for the BDSM culture to have this kind of play. I can't really do that because there are things that I personally don't like. And there were things I used to have really, really strong opinions about. But then I spoke to certain people who practice some of those things and I have a different understanding of it. I'll give you a perfect example. Race play. I was very adamantly against race play. And still, to right now, myself, I don't really engage in race play. But I have spoken to people who do. Some of them I speak to, I still don't get it. And others I speak to, I do. Because in a lot of different ways, you know, we, we constantly think of race play as being a black and white thing. But it's not always that. You know, if you've got... Uh, an Asian partner, you want to play a Vietnam vet, and this is a, 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 a Viet Cong person that you capture. Um, there's, even though it may not be overt, there's race play inherent in that type of dynamic. Um, so, you know, when I, when, you know, there's, so there's things that I personally don't, don't engage in. The, the, the adult baby diaper thing is something that um, I don't find erotic. But there are people who do. Um, so I wouldn't be one to outlaw anything. I, I would be one to say, if you want to do that, you can do that over there. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't be one to outlaw anything because there are people who can very easily be offended by things that I enjoy. And I wouldn't want to have anybody superimpose on their judgment on me that way. Yeah, I totally get that. Because we, we surprise people with sometimes with our punching play and stuff. But there's other stuff that we would probably walk away from, too. Though it's not in a judgmental way. It's just in a non-erotic way. And, and the reality yeah. is I, I, I do agree with you that there is some level of personal responsibility here. Mm -hmm. There's some styles of play that are uh, that I don't find enjoyable at a very deep level. But there's a lot, but it's acceptable within the scene. So you either get used to it or you stay in your bedroom a lot. Right, right. And the other thing is this, though. Just because we're all in BDSM doesn't mean that we personally have to accept everything that goes on. And we have to accept the fact that um, there are people who do have legitimate problems that come into BDSM as a mask for those things. For example, there are people who are racist that come into BDSM. And um, because that way they can play out their racist fantasies in a manner that might be more acceptable. Um, or they'll find someone that will be able to accommodate that. There are people who are misogynists, you know, who uh, come into BDSM because it helps them sate that feeling that they have that, uh, toward women. Um, there are people who uh, uh, maybe have pedophilic desires that do daddy girl thing and they you know, get involved with people far, uh, far younger than they are, uh, as close as possible, so they can shape those things. So it's not to say, you know, that there aren't people who are predatory in the, in the scene, um, and that or who use the scene to be that way. It, I don't believe it's the majority, but it's it's still something that we have to take into consideration. Right. Though I I think I would use the the word uh, predator predatory a little bit differently. Because if it's consensual, then, you know, I, I don't see an issue with it. So Right, right. But, but the flip side of that is sometimes if a person's misrepresenting themselves, That's another true. person can, can consent to something that they may be not aware of or they were really getting involved. Oh, my gosh. That I agree with. Oh, cool. So one more question for you, if you don't mind. 
I don't mind. While you are still the king of all BDSM, <laughs> what's right or what wrong do you want to write or what do you want to instigate or what do you want decreed you want to lay down? Is there anything that if you had these all powers that you, you know what would make BDSM better? Let's banish all mentions from Fifty Shades of Grey until the movie comes out or some similar thing. <laughs> it's funny because people, like I said, people talk about Fifty Shades a lot, but, you know, I, I came into the scene, I, I became interested in the scene from the movie Man and a Half Weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. And Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. If you really analyze that movie, um, he didn't negotiate anything with her. Uh, he didn't really let her know what type of relationship he was in. He was damaged. Um, and that's the problem I have with dominance always. Male dominance is always depicted as being damaged somehow. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you know. Um, but it piqued my curiosity to such an extent that I, I, I a few years later, I actually uh, looked for the scene deliberately. But uh, <laughs> I, I didn't do it then because I didn't think I had enough money. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that probably would be one of the things that I, I would consider saying that, you know, you have to, you know, you have to go through some type of course of how to deal with people. You know, I mean, just regular social etiquette that used to be common sense and common courtesy before. Um, it's like... Uh, I, I was taught when I came in to see the Miller Rule Supply. I always use the example that when you go to a, you know, if you went to a bar or a club, a regular club and bar, and you met someone you like, you can go up to them and say, hey, how you doing? Listen, when you perform fellatio, do you swell your tongue? No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> you would kind of introduce yourself, talk to them a little bit, find out what they're about first. Yet, and still in the BBSM community, a lot of people feel the first thing they want to do when they talk to you is identify or your dominant or your son or what you're into as opposed to who are you? Sure. And, and I think that that's one of the things that I would require is that you ah. take time <laughs> to find out who you're dealing with. I mean, just the cursory conversation <laughs> about who this person is. Um, I just, before you start getting into the labels and the, the, the scene part of it. I just had a conversation like that with a girl recently and my question <clears throat> to her was, did you get to know the person first? And she was like, well, I'm like, okay. Exactly. I know somebody once who, like, she come up to someone in, in, in the pub and she asked to play with her. And he said to her, have you ever seen me play? Mm-hmm. And she, she said, no, I've heard about you, but I've never seen you. He said, well, why don't you watch me play first? Because what you see me do is what I do. And then after you see me play, you're still interested. Then we'll talk about how you and I will do that. Nice. Well, Sir Guy, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I see from your website, SirGuyBDSM.com, you have a variety of other classes that would have been all kinds of good topics for us to talk about. And I also see at that same spite that your site, you're running around and presenting and stuff. How can uh, people get a hold of you to learn more about Sir Guy? You can get in touch with me via my website, SirGuy.com, or if you're on FetLife, um, just... Um, get in touch with me as Sir Guy. I'm the original Sir Guy, so it's, you know, <laughs> it's just one word, Sir Guy. Um, that's the quickest way to do that. All right, good deal. Uh, well, Sir Guy, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Hopefully, 
Uh, oh, and one last thing. I'm sorry. I must now remove your powers as oh, king as of king. all BDSM. Oh. You'll have to be go back to being the king of Sir Guy Land, I guess. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to go back to being the lord of all I survey. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Bye. Does this say Quarters Pub? It does. Good. Erotic Awakening is sponsored in part by the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show and its educational branch, the Monkey Puzzle Club. Join us the third Friday of each month for Fetish Foreplay Friday at Club Princeton in Columbus, Ohio. Classes begin at 8 p.m. with a party immediately following. You can also catch the Guilty Pleasure Stage Show at Porter's Pub in Columbus, Ohio, the fourth Friday of every... You were right, it did say Porter's Pub. <laughs> fourth Friday of every month. The Monkey Puzzle Club meets every Wednesday at 8 p.m. at the room and at the, at the room at the Columbus Insight Center. You can follow them on the Twitter at MonkeyPuzzleOH. You can also follow both Guilty Pleasures and the Monkey Puzzle Club on FetLife.com for all announcements and discussions. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn.